This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The IRS is the most feared agency in the world. You've heard ads from other companies offering to help taxpayers only if they owe over $10,000. Here at Platinum Tax Defenders, we're A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, and we're proud to be one of the only tax firms in the country who understands that people who owe less than $10,000 need help just as badly. The IRS doesn't care how much money you owe. They'll still garnish your wages and even seize your assets. So whether you owe just a few thousand dollars or hundreds of thousands, call now for your free tax consultation. If you qualify, we may even be able to reduce your tax debt down to a small fraction of what you owe. So don't wait until the IRS seizes your property and garnishes your wages. Call 800-579-4967 and get your tax problem resolved once and for all. That number again is 800-579-4967. 800-579-4967. And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier, Cam Edwards. Glad that you're with us. Sorry for the uh, delay in this latest podcast. I, I really did try to do a podcast from SHOT Show in Las Vegas, Nevada last week. But uh, now there were a lot of long hours each and every day working, and uh, it just uh, it just didn't happen. So um, apologies, and uh, we'll give you two podcasts this week. So we'll, uh, we'll be caught up here. So expect another one uh, later in the week. I have my uh, instant audience that uh, Miss E gave me for Christmas, so I guess I could provide sound effects for that. You'll get two 40 Acres and a Fool this week. Yay! Uh, we can also cheer for the fact that Miss E is officially finished with her chemo treatments. Uh, knock on wood that she doesn't have to do anymore. There we go. Uh, she does have to uh, follow up with some blood work, and she'll be uh, undergoing uh, scans on a uh, quarterly basis about every three months for the uh uh, next year, and then it kind of goes to every six months for a couple of years after that, and then uh, once a year forever and ever to make sure that uh, the cancer does not come back. She is feeling not as bad as she has been uh, in the past, thankfully. So um, originally, she was supposed to uh, undergo uh, chemotherapy uh, the last round uh, uh, two weeks ago. It got delayed for a week because her kidney function was down. This is one of the uh, problems with the uh, the chemo drug that she's on is it can impact your, your kidney function. So they wanted to see if the kidney function was going to get back up. Uh, it did not get to where they wanted it to be. She's, there's no concern about any like long-term uh, risks, but that was what they were hoping to avoid, right? So uh, they had to switch her to another drug, which you know has its own uh, issues. Um, but uh, since this was just one round, I, I don't think that they're uh, too concerned about that. And uh, one of the happy byproducts is that uh, she has not been feeling as nauseous. She has not been feeling as tired. She uh, it didn't, you know, she wasn't sent to bed. Like the, the last third round, I guess, of chemo that she went through, um, she was in bed for a good week afterwards. I mean, she just couldn't get up. So she is up and around and uh, uh, just feeling kind of tired and nauseous. But from here on out, it should get better. And... Um, I really do appreciate all of the thoughts and the prayers and the kind words that uh, uh, you all have sent to us via email at 40acrefool 
at gmail.com or on Missy's Instagram page at Corny Goat Farm. It means a lot to us, and uh, and, and and please continue to do so if you don't mind, because um, you know while the uh, re- chances of recurrence are small, um, and I feel good about the future. Um, we could still use your thoughts and your prayers. So thank you again. I got back uh, to the farm late, late Saturday night, early slash uh, slash early Sunday morning. Uh, flew back uh, into uh, D.C., drove three hours south in a uh, driving rainstorm. And it was it was good to get back home. Um, not much has changed, although we, we have added seven more chickens while I was away. We had lost a hen a couple of weeks ago, so we were down to four hens and two roosters. Uh, the uh, smaller rooster is still a juvenile. He's not crowing yet, although he's getting pretty big. But um, we really needed some additional hens. It just wasn't uh, we weren't getting the eggs that we needed. So we have seven more chickens. Not In fact, none of them are laying. I was going to say not all of them are laying, but none of them are laying yet. They're all in various stages of growth. So... Now the trick is going to be uh, keeping them alive long enough for them to become layers. I have my concerns because uh, several of these chickens are uh, white in nature. Um, a couple of uh, 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 looks like one of them, maybe a, like an Americana crossed with a, uh, a speckled, some one of the speckled. So it's mostly white, but it has some speckled feathers. But It's just been my experience that the uh, bright white chickens don't last as long uh, when you're free ranging, that they are really easy targets for predators. So uh, we've got a gray one that I I think will blend in nicely in the shadows under the uh, in the shade underneath the bushes. We've got a couple of uh, uh, brown ones. I think these are all mutts, by the way. These are chicken mutts. These aren't uh, purebred chickens, but. That's fine. They they still will produce eggs one day, and that's the most important thing. But I am a little concerned about keeping the little white chickens alive because uh, again, we've just we've we've had a few that we've sort of added to the flock over the years. We don't have any now, or at least we didn't until we got the uh, the latest because um, they've been the first to go. I think we lost like three in one day a couple of summers ago. So that's the big challenge right now. Uh, is making sure that the chickens get to uh, get to to the laying stage of their lives. Uh, to that end, we've actually kind of kept them closed up uh, in their chicken yard. It has been pouring rain apparently the entire time that I was gone, and it continues to uh, pour down uh, as I am recording the podcast. So they've been in their muddy little chicken yard, haven't had much chance to uh, free range. We'll let them out for maybe an hour or so before dark, and then they'll go back into the coop. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm a little concerned even just about that hour and I've got to go back and and look at the coop yesterday. Uh, I noticed that despite the fact that they were shut in their yard, three of the hens had somehow gotten out, uh, and were hanging out with the goats. So got to deal with that. All of the rain as well has really left our electro net, our electric, uh, fencing, um, that's all solar powered. And so, you know, when you don't have the sun shining for five days straight, it can definitely affect the uh, strength of the electronet itself. So we've had one of our uh, pigs, the little girl, has been getting out 
um, several times while I was away. So uh, Miss E had lured her into a actual physical pen that's uh, fairly small. We don't really use it for anything right now. Um, so that was just sort of her emergency stopgap measure. So she was there. Yesterday, I go to move her back when it's time to feed. She's very, very food-driven, so she'll, uh, she hasn't run away even when she's gotten out. She's you know, hung out in the yard and um, hasn't tried to leave, which is good, but uh, uh, very, very food-driven. So I go and I let her out, and I'm starting to walk back uh, to where the other hogs are. Bullet gets out of the house and runs over and starts chasing the pig. Thanks, Bullet. Uh, the goats have gotten out, and and they come running up to see what the commotion is all about, which brings the chickens up. So for about uh, a good five or six minutes, I had every <laughs> every type of animal that we have on the farm uh, out with me, and I was trying to wrangle them all. I finally got Bullet back in the house. Uh, the little hog ran right over. Uh, to uh, where she knew the food was coming. I was able to get her back under the... Actually, she went back under the fence as well, which was a uh, a problem. So I ended up... I found where she had kind of rooted under and was able to uh, stake it down. Uh, Got the goats back in their area. Uh, Chickens, at that point, I just decided to leave out. Yeah, it was a... uh, It was was a messy, rainy uh, afternoon, but uh, it was good to be back home. All right, we're going to step away for a moment or two. We've got more 40 Acres and a Fool coming up, so stick around. We'll be right back right after this. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something, and progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. So as I said, I was in Las Vegas last week for the Shooting Hunting Outdoor Trade Show. It was a good show, and I hope that you enjoyed our coverage on NRA TV, where, of course, you can catch Cam and Company each and every weekday live, 2 p.m. Eastern. Also on the uh, Sirius XM Patriot 125 channel at midnight Eastern. Uh, I had a chance to meet, I got to say, just so many incredible folks. Uh, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, I got a chance to uh, talk with uh, Aaron Lewis, uh, Craig Morgan, uh, both part of uh, NRA Country, uh, our friend Phil Labonte, lead singer of All That Remains, uh, stopped by, David Webb from Sirius and Patriot, Dana Lash from The Blaze. Uh, but I got to tell you, the, the folks I always am most inspired by are our veterans, and I was just I was just humbled uh, to spend time with guys like Medal of Honor recipient Clinton Romache, who was there with AdCorp Defense, Mark Geist, uh, Oz, uh, one of the survivors of Benghazi, uh, was actually our very first guest uh, in our SHOT Show coverage. We had uh, uh, Major Ed Polito with the Folds of Honor Foundation on the program. We had uh, retired Navy SEALs like uh, 
our friend Ron Bellin from Reaper Outdoors, Dwight Settle from Seal One, um, Terry Shepard, a retired Green Beret, who's going to be starring in Outdoor Channel's Hollywood Weapons coming up in a couple of months. I had a chance to meet Terry Shepard for the first time. So, I mean, it was, just, you know, to, to, to be around these guys uh, who have served and who have sacrificed so much. I mean, we're talking about just between the names that I mentioned, probably uh, over 100 years of uh, active duty military experience between those men. Uh, Johnny, uh, Joey Jones, uh, formerly of the boot campaign, uh, now uh, working with uh, Zach Brown uh, of Zach Brown Band and uh, Southern Grind. Had a chance to uh, meet Johnny for the, or Joey for the first time. Uh, we've been following each other on Twitter for a couple of years, but hadn't had the opportunity to meet up yet. And what an amazing, inspirational guy. A, uh, a bomb tech, a uh, wounded warrior, uh, lost both of his legs on active duty, and he has just really dedicated himself to uh, to helping and serving others. Uh, and again, I mean, you spend any amount of time with these individuals, and you just you walk away so humbled and so grateful for the fact that we have these brave men and women in this country uh, who will serve, who will sacrifice, and their families that, that serve and sacrifice right alongside them. To, to be surrounded by these individuals this week, this past week, while at the same time uh, watching what was unfolding in Washington, D.C., uh, with the uh, violent protests of the uh, incoming Trump administration, it was um, it was quite a stark contrast. I got to tell you, because on the one hand, you have these men who have fought, who have bled, who have been forever changed in service for this country and trying to defend this nation and trying to make this country. Uh, a safe place. And then on the other hand, you've got these little losers who are out there trying to uh, tear down this nation. Uh, and by the way, I, I find I do find it fascinating that uh, these individuals tend to uh, protest and uh, break windows and set fire to things in cities that are incredibly uh, blue cities. They're they're not actually hurting a bunch of people who voted for Donald Trump. They they do understand this, I think, on some level, uh, but I guess they prefer the ease of destroying, uh, if not the places where they live, the places where their ideological allies live, rather than actually, you know, trying to uh, uh, destroy a community where people might be willing and able. To defend it, I, I, I do find that uh, interesting. So it was, um, it, it was, it was. I'm glad I wasn't in D.C. for the inauguration. Uh, by the way, I flew back the day after the inauguration, the uh, the day, the night of the the big women's march in Washington D.C. And I, I have to say, I was really, really surprised because it was probably ten o'clock or so at night by the time I got on the road. So the march had wrapped up for hours and hours. Um, there was no traffic on Interstate 95 South. None. 
I, I, I breezed home. And I was anticipating uh, that it would have been traffic jams. Again, it was pouring rain. The weather was bad. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if all those uh, folks who had attended, if they all lived in the suburbs, again, you know, D.C. and the suburbs, uh, a very blue uh, area. And you've got uh, uh, millions of people. So if you had, you know, uh, 500,000 uh, people, you could have 400,000 locals, uh, you know, with between Northern Virginia and uh, Maryland and D.C. itself. But I really thought that that it would still be uh, more of a pain to get home. That uh, the the, uh, the 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 impact and the effects of the uh, attendees would have been felt there at ten o'clock at night, but uh, no, no. So wherever they went, <laughs> I'm I'm glad that I didn't have to sit in traffic and was able to uh, uh, to get home. Uh, DC looked none the worse for wear uh, from the air anyway. On the ground, maybe a very uh, different story. And um, we'll we'll you know listen. We'll see what happens. I am uh, not sanguine about um, the left and its uh, reactions to the fact that uh, Donald Trump's presidency is now a reality. We will be up uh, in the D.C. area for CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference, coming up here in just a few weeks. And I am anticipating that this is going to be a CPAC like we have not seen before uh, the amount of protests and disruptions both inside the event and outside the event are going to be um, I mean normally there really isn't any disruption this year I I think it's going to potentially overshadow uh, the conference itself but we'll be talking more about that in the uh, weeks ahead. All right, we've got some of your emails to get to later in the show. And also, when we come back, I want to talk about this fascinating story in Politico about a rural county in Wisconsin that uh, went for Donald Trump this year. First time in decades the county has uh, gone for Donald Trump. Uh, And the rural divide, not the rural-urban divide, but the rural divide between the left and the right that is making itself known in uh, rural counties around the country. Stick around. We'll be back with more 40 Acres and a Fool right after this. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. The IRS is the most feared agency in the world. You've heard ads from other companies offering to help taxpayers only if they owe over $10,000. Here at Platinum Tax Defenders, we're A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, and we're proud to be one of the only tax firms in the country who understands that people who owe less than $10,000 need help just as badly. The IRS doesn't care how much money you owe. They'll still garnish your wages and even seize your assets. So whether you owe just a few thousand dollars or hundreds of thousands, Call now for your free tax consultation. If you qualify, we may even be able to reduce your tax debt down to a small fraction of what you owe. So don't wait until the IRS seizes your property and garnishes your wages. Call 800-579-4967 and get your tax problem resolved once and for all. That number again is 800-579-4967. 800-579-4967. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. 
So Politico magazine has a, a fascinating article in the uh, January February issue. Uh, what happens when a red state moves to you? Uh, by Michael Cruz, and uh, takes a look at uh, this county in Wisconsin, Pepin County, the smallest in the state of Wisconsin, uh, wedged, he writes, against the east bank of the Mississippi River. It's a county that has not voted Republican since 1972, and yet this year uh, it went for Donald Trump. Why? Well, As it turns out, uh, the premise of this piece is that it's not necessarily that the the Democrats in uh, Pepin County, Wisconsin, um, all of a sudden were uh, surrounded by uh, or drowned out by an influx of uh, Republican voters from somewhere else. Uh, In fact, the, uh, the premise of this piece is that Democrats moving into Pepin County from places like Minneapolis and St. Paul uh, have actually turned a lot of the rural Democrats who were already living in Pepin County into Trump voting Republicans or independents. Uh, That the big city progressives who have moved to these small towns have so alienated their new neighbors Uh, and frankly uh, bothered their new neighbors, that their new neighbors have decided, you know what, I can't share a party with these folks who used to be, by the way, under the same tent, right? They they used to coexist in the Democrat Party. Um, But now, in uh, rural America, they don't. So there's a fascinating quote, uh, which kind of, sums up the attitude of these new arrivals, relatively new arrivals. Pat Carlson uh, has lived in Pepin County for, I think, a little bit over a decade. She said, we found a whole community here, a very like-minded, it's going to sound elite, but bookish, artsy, I'd say compassionate, organic foodies, the whole nine yards. It's all transplants. It's mostly liberals. She said about the locals, she said, I I think they thought the liberal elite was looking down on them. And I guess in some ways we were because we couldn't believe that anybody would vote for Trump. Her husband, Wally Zick, uh, described a fault line between the old and the new political magazine uh, reports. The people who've lived in the county forever and the move-ins from over the Minnesota border uh, clustered primarily on the southwestern end of the county. They don't come here, Wally Zick says. We don't go there. Pat Carlson, uh, Zick's wife, says we don't know them. Wally Zick says, I could ask them, why did you vote for Trump? And then what would I do about it? You don't want to make them mad, Pat Carlson says. Yeah. I, well, listen, I imagine just reading that quote, Pat, is uh, probably going to make a lot of your neighbors mad. We found a whole community here of a very like-minded, bookish, artsy, compassionate, organic foodies. And, you know, uh, it's going to sound so liberal, but that's because we are the liberal elite. Um, yeah. Why would why would that bother anybody, right? You know, the sad thing is, if Pat and Wally... Uh, would get to know their neighbors, they might find that there are some uh, locals who are also bookish and artsy and uh, compassionate. Uh, I'm really glad, by the way, that I have not had any issues since moving down here uh, from the D.C. suburbs. But I, you know what? I haven't. I'm not the type to I'm not a, I'm not an elitist, <laughs> I guess, is the best way to put it. 
Like, I don't look at my neighbors and say, oh, well, <laughs> I wonder how many books they've read this year. No. Uh, I look at my neighbors and say, man, how do they know how to do all this stuff? Right. How, how, and, and what can I learn from them? I know nothing. Uh, I've learned a few things in my four years now living on a farm. But uh, uh, particularly when I first moved in, like I, my, my neighbors were just a constant source of education for me. And uh, frankly, I, I guess I'm really lucky that I live in a place where uh, my neighbors were uh, and, and the, the folks around me were uh, more than willing to help. Um, they, they wanted, they, they know that, you know, in order to, uh, survive and even thrive as a community that you do need to bring new people there. Uh, maybe it was just the fact that again, I, I wasn't trying to tell them how to live and I wasn't, uh, a progressive. I, I, I fit in a little bit better. Um, but it strikes me that, you know, the, the gap in the Gulf is widening. This is a really long uh, article in Politico, so I'm not going to read, uh, any more to you, but. Um, there is a, a part of the story uh, towards the end where one of the uh, progressives who lives in Pepin County has decided that uh, one of the things that she is going to do post-election is she's going to continue to uh, buy hay and, and uh, alfalfa from uh, one of her uh, neighbors who she suspects voted for Donald Trump. And she sees this as a, a huge bit of outreach. And she's very proud of herself for this. That she's not going to not pay this guy for services. Uh, she's going to continue to use him because it's the best that she can find. Well, good for her, right? I mean, that's the way that it should be. But I, I don't... Uh, I don't hold that as something that you should be proud of necessarily. Do you? Uh, to, to me, that's, I mean, look, I, I, I don't know. I don't want to be too hard on her. And now that I'm thinking about it, maybe what she is doing is she is actually saying, you know what, I'm doing something that, that my progressive friends are not, that I have progressive friends who are, in fact, deciding to actively shun people just because of their political beliefs. Um, and if that's the case, and she's, you know, wanting to highlight the fact that she is not doing that, okay, good on her. But boy, what does that say about where we've gotten to now as a society where um, we are actively having to say, yes, I will associate and I will give money to somebody uh, with whom I don't necessarily agree politically. We've gotten to the point where everything now is so politicized uh, that simply trying to uh, buy hay or alfalfa from somebody will almost inevitably and invariably be seen as an act of, uh, are you consorting with the enemy or are you consorting with allies? Who, who's, who's actually behind that fee that you're selling? And again, this sounds exhausting to me. Absolutely exhausting. My default attitude is I don't care what your politics is or are. I don't, I don't care. And if I'd prefer not to know, quite frankly, 
Uh, if it comes up, it comes up. Now, if you become known primarily uh, for your politics, well, then you're forcing me to care about this. And again, that's on you. But understand that, you know, the more uh, you become the political feed guy or the political actor or the political singer or whatever, then the more of your audience that you are potentially going to turn off. Uh, and, and again, that's that's on you. Right. But my default is I, I don't I don't really care. I'm sure we can find something to get along about. Uh, and I think that it is the left that is primarily driving the political the uh, the, the the politicalization of society. I just don't want to see the right start to follow suit. All right, we've got to step away for a moment or two. When we come back, we've got your emails to so stick around. There's more forty acres and a fool coming up. Forty acres and a fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something, and progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards continues on the Blaze Radio Network. The email address, as always, is 40acrefool at gmail.com. And that is where we find Chris, who says uh, they started listening about six months ago after hearing about us on the Blaze. Said your show gives me something fun to listen to while I work on the one car that I am restoring and another that is perpetually broken. Chris says, I grew up in rural Cologne, New Jersey. On a non-functioning farm, but between two functioning farms, we did have a garden growing up, but nothing like yours. Uh, we didn't have, but we did have something that you didn't. Chris says, 13 horses." Oh, and Miss E, when she hears this, Chris is just going to squeak because she loves, 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 loves horses. Chris says, "As I got older, the economy dried up. My dad needed to find work, so we ended up moving to Massachusetts, and they would send money home. Eventually, the time came, and we had to move up to Massachusetts." It was sad to leave, but the allure of the big city of Boston had its appeal. I had fun playing in the city, but as I got older, I realized I don't fit here, and I started doing some soul-searching. At first, I thought it was my politics. A libertarian and a gun owner living in Massachusetts is a rare thing. I also find myself labeled, uh, also find myself labeled as a prepper, which I find pretty funny, Chris says. Growing up, it was pretty normal to have six months of food stored and be able to do a little bit of everything. When you're living in postal route country, it's not like you can run into town and have someone else fix something for you. Not that there was money for that anyway. Right about the time I met my now wife, Chris writes, I knew what made me feel like I didn't belong here. I want to live on a farm again. It's a calling. My wife and I bought a starter home with a whopping acre of land near Worcester, where I have a tiny garden that up until last season was very successful. Seems like nobody had a good year last year. You're right, Chris. I actually don't know anybody who had a good year on the, uh, in their garden. Uh, my wife and I have been talking about moving in the future, but I think she's going to need more convincing. I'm not going to push until both of my cars are back together for good, but after that I will. I hope to find a farmhouse and enough that will, that will suit the both of us. I don't imagine my wife getting into the garden or livestock, but one never knows. She didn't strike me as a dog person. And then we adopted our pup. 
Chris says, I'm sorry for the long-winded email, but now that I've listened to every podcast to date, I felt like it was time to tell you a little bit about me. So give my best to Miss E, and I look forward to finally listening to updated episodes of the show. Well, Chris, thank you for catching up, man. That's that's pretty amazing. Um, I do appreciate you listening, and it's good to meet your acquaintance. And, you know, one of the things about the near frontier and this concept of the near frontier is that it is close enough. You know, look, not everybody does want to live on a farm. Um, I know plenty of people who say, oh, I'd like to live on a farm, but, right, I don't want to give up all of the amenities of the city or the suburbs. I don't want to give up the uh, the fact that there are, you know, 40 or 50 different restaurants to eat at within a 20-minute drive as opposed to maybe none or maybe one or two. Uh, I don't want to drive half an hour to the grocery store. I don't want to, you know, all of the things that you think about giving up and you don't think about what you gain. Um, I think that with the near frontier, particularly, you know, when you're moving from a place like like Boston or Washington, D.C., where it can take you an hour in traffic to go 15 miles. Uh, I know that there were plenty of times when we living in Northern Virginia, look, on a Saturday afternoon, if I needed something from a clothing store, for instance, uh, I wouldn't go to the mall. I wouldn't go to Tyson's Corner, which was about yeah, maybe 15 miles from us. I, I wouldn't go to the Springfield Mall. I wouldn't go out to Manassas. That would be ridiculous. That'd be a, an hour-long trip. I would run down to the local Coles, which was, you know, eight minutes away. And the selection wasn't as great, but you know what? I didn't have to deal with the traffic. Um, there were plenty of times where I was, you know, if you did want something, it was an hour away. And that's sort of where we're at on the near frontier. If we want to go out to eat, we've got... But here's the thing. If we want to go out to eat, yeah, we've got to drive an hour. But if we drive an hour, then we've got our choice of all the restaurants in Richmond. We've got our choice of all the restaurants in Charlottesville. We've got our choice of all the restaurants in Lynchburg. Um, and so there, there is a wide variety. Yeah, you just got to you got to you got to go a little bit farther to get there. But I'm willing to make that exchange. It's not like I, I'm living in rural Montana. Uh, where, you know, you might be driving a couple of hours uh, to, to get to, you know, a city of uh, or a town of any any real size. Um, I recognize that I'm not living out in the middle of nowhere. That's why I say welcome from the near frontier, because there are a lot of spaces, particularly in the eastern United States, that are close I don't even say particularly in the eastern United States. I mean, Oklahoma City, I was having a conversation at Chacho Show last week with uh, someone who uh, was from Oklahoma. And we were talking about how you can live out in the country and still be, uh, in the case of Oklahoma City, maybe a half hour from downtown. And, you know, you're, you've got your rural life uh, that you get to go home to at night. That idea, uh, that's the real, the, the near frontier to me, Chris. And I think that that type of life can be appealing, uh, even for folks who aren't necessarily interested in moving to the country. You just have to look, you got to pick your spots. And I don't know how tied you are to Massachusetts, but, uh, you know, Southern New Hampshire uh, might be a uh, possibility for you if you want to get out of the area. Uh, then, uh, you know, again, I, I'll throw in a vote for Virginia because we could use uh, more 
good-minded folks like yourself, but um, there are some opportunities there, and 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 hopefully uh, you and your you and your wife will find your perfect spot. It took Missy and I a while, but uh, but we did it. So I wish you the best of luck and stay in touch, please. Uh, also checking in, uh, Trent from uh, Indiana, who could not make it out to a shot show. I will uh, say that your name was uh, not mentioned, or your name was mentioned, Trent, and not uh, in a bad way. Uh, with a couple of folks at uh, SHOT Show. Trent says, uh, going to be 60s this week. Just a few weeks ago that we were minus 11. These swings just make it feel colder when it goes back. If it gets to zero and stays there, you can adapt to it. But we're in that nasty back and forth from 3 to 40 to minus 8 to 29 to 6 to 60. He says, on top of it, we've had snow melt and rain and the cold and the thaws made everything a muddy mess. Says the uh, worst part of spring is the mud. As far as I'm concerned, we're getting spring mud in January. Yeah, it's been uh, unseasonably warm here as well. After uh, probably a, a three-week really cold spell, now it's uh, 50s, and it looks like it's going to be sort of 50s this week, down in the 40s next week, below freezing at night, and you know, kind of upper 40s. But uh, no snow in the forecast. We're getting all kinds of rain this week, but uh, I'll take it. Trent says, uh, Tuesday morning, I was up to let the dog out at 3 o'clock in the morning. He was up every hour on the hour to get up with an upset stomach. Uh, And I heard an odd noise from the chicken coop. So I walked out with a lantern. Everything looked in order until I checked the nest boxes. There laid one of the speckled Sussex hens. She had expired only moments before and with no noticeable trauma. She may have been egg-bound, but nobody's laying these days, and her abdomen felt normal. Chickens aren't the hardiest creatures out there, but in less than a year, I didn't expect any of them to up and die on me. It's especially frustrating, Trent says, when none of the birds, save the leghorn, have laid in weeks, and all the spring chicks that should be six to eight months away from their first molt, uh, having molted over this winter. Uh, Currently, one of the Delaware hens looks like a drowned rat. (laughs) Yeah, molting chickens are not the prettiest chickens, are they? Kind of like that awkward adolescent phase as they're getting their adult feathers. I think it's the mystery deaths that are actually the uh, the most the, the hardest to deal with, don't you, Trent? Uh, because you know, look, it's awful to find that you know patch of feathers on the ground and know that a, a coyote or a, a fox made off with one of your chickens, uh, or to see the uh, headless body of a chicken laying there to know that a hawk ripped its head off. Is when they just up and disappear, uh, or when they just when you find them, like our our first rooster, Jay, um, whose best friend was Silent Bob, uh, we found him in the garden, just curled up, no blood. Uh, again, probably a, a year or a little bit less than a year old. Uh, always in good health. Nothing, nothing got him. He just curled up and died. And to this day, I don't know what happened, but. Um, you're always a little concerned that maybe they've got something that would be spreading to the rest of the flock. Um, I, I don't know. I wish you the uh, the best of luck, and hopefully you haven't lost any more hens since then. And uh, keep my fingers crossed that they keep laying for you soon. All right, as I mentioned, the email address is 40acrefool at gmail.com. On Instagram, at Cam Edwards, at Corny Goat Farm for Miss E. And I'm on Twitter as well, at Cam Edwards. Time to uh, say goodbye for just a few days. We'll be back later in the week. And when I say we, uh, yes, Miss E should be able to join us. So look forward to that, the return of Miss E on the next 40 Acre and a Fool. In the meantime, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot. And we'll see you here soon with another 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. (laughs) 
This is 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.